Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. The game of the decade. Just days away. Hours away. I think we're hours away from Tennessee being the number one team in the country when the college football playoff rankings come out. Live it up. Knoxville is buzzing. If you get buzzed, don't get behind the wheel. We love Marcos Garza and his team. They are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury lawyers. If you need a lawyer, or your family member needs a lawyer, or your friend needs a lawyer, GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Before you say guilty, say Garza. This episode, the first 10 minutes or so, is about us killing Kentucky, and then we switch to Georgia Talk. Let's get to it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. And then 38 on extra point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another victory edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you live slash recorded on Halloween. It's about 5, 18 p.m. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice as usual. Feels a lot sweeter after every victory that Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, and the boys, after every conquest that they have, it gets sweeter and sweeter. It does. I mean, you get to add another scout to hang off the living room walls every week. It's very, very fun. It's um, it's very, very fun to win, but it is very, very fun to absolutely crush the soul of a team that you hate. Like we did to Kentucky Saturday night. So just a, a dominant performance all the way around. How hate? How deep does your hatred run for Kentucky football? Uh, it's. I mean, they're annoying. I don't like. I I just enjoy. Like I've always enjoyed the the Tennessee Kentucky game. I think it's Tennessee's birthright to just whip Kentucky's tail. That's what I like about it. Is that it doesn't. It's never really mattered. Tennessee could be terrible. Tennessee's been terrible a lot of the time and has gone out and just beaten Kentucky sometimes badly. Yeah, I was going to say it does feel good just to have that hanging over someone. But, like, I, I don't really think about them otherwise. Their fans are annoying, but it's just been so laughable, that rivalry. I mean, three times since we've been a lot – or three times in the last, what, 30 year, 38 years, and one of them was COVID, so I don't even really count that one. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky basketball is number two behind Alabama football in terms of, like, the most, you know – but Kentucky basketball fans hate Kentucky football fans for the most part. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, hate Kentucky football is probably too strong a word. 
I just hate Kentucky in general. Kentucky football kind of just makes me laugh. I hate the discourse around Kentucky football. I hate that all offseason people claimed they were going to be the second best team in the East. And I feel like this discourse surrounding Kentucky football has been going on for years. It's like every offseason we have to hear about Kentucky, blah, 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 when they never play anyone out of conference. Yeah, no, it's the same conversation, and then they'll do the same thing, which is they'll beat up on the lower SEC teams and then lose to anybody with a pulse. That's just what they do. And then they'll play some Big tw- uh, Ten team in a bowl game and fare pretty well against them, and then like we'll have the same discussion. And you know, this year it spilled over even with Will Levis, right, where they're talking about him being the number one pick, and Kentucky fans, and even Levis himself, thinks he's like the next Josh Allen, and all that's just been pretty frustrating, I think. Yeah, and then jo- and then uh, and then Will Levis ran his mouth about the real football stuff. I mean, I, like, how, how stupid was that? I'm surprised Josh didn't run it up more on him, honestly, because we took our foot off the gas. The players certainly took notice of it and you know made comment of it after the game. Like, I mean, that was just a dumb thing. I I, I would like to know if Will Levis thinks Tennessee still doesn't play real football now. I mean, I think um, Dejon Terry and Omari Thomas were certainly playing real football Saturday night. Our defensive line was certainly playing real football. So, I mean, you know. Danico Slaughter was playing real football Saturday night. Yeah, like, it's just a very dumb comment by him. His comment in a vacuum made no sense. It certainly makes no sense when you're telling it to your big brother who always beats you. Just a very stupid thing to say. Well, they got their ass whipped. Indeed. Domination. We played probably, what, a B game? We were just kind of B, B for board, I think. I think it was kind of B for board. Yeah, like, uh, I think Tennessee left three touchdowns on the board. I mean, definitely the first two interceptions. Secondly, Tennessee didn't run the ball as well as they had been. Um, so, yeah, I think a B game is fair. I did love all the talk about how Kentucky had a top 15 defense, though, and I did love all the talk about how Kentucky was going to ground ground Tennessee out on the ground, ground control our possessions away from us as if they were going to be able to run the ball against us, which they were not. They couldn't block us. They couldn't run past us. Well, Levis couldn't throw the ball down the field. Our brother Power T-Tape said that he had one throw over six yards in the air. Yep. Or one completion, I should say, one completion, six yards over you know, in the air. Yeah, that they were two of thirteen on third downs, and I think like zero of ten on third and seven plus. Like the the third downs they converted were short. Um. Yeah. Like the idea that Kentucky was going to walk in and run the ball down our throat was, um, it was laughable. It, it was. It wasn't it, laughable. It was anger inducing. I, I was getting mad about it last week when people thought that was something they were actually going to be able to accomplish. It just showed that you hadn't really paid much attention to us this year because, you know, we've been really, really, really good at stopping the run. Yeah, the KSR guy in that montage said that he was predicting Chris Rodriguez to go for 200-plus. Like, what? The talk about our defense has made me mad all year. I I told you that after the Florida game. Like, I, I didn't think our defense played bad against Florida, which is funny when you look at the stats, but, like, I pointed out that, you know, that Monday when we did it, or, you know, the next week, I guess, because it was a bye week, but, 
you know, I pointed out we only gave up 21 points for the, like the until the game was in hand, and we took our foot off the gas, and we got lack of days ago. They got some garbage time, but like it's like people only looked at the final stats and was like, oh well, what a shootout! They couldn't stop Anthony Richardson. Well, we, we gave up 21 points for 55 minutes of the game. It's pretty good. Yeah, Tennessee is like 51st in the nation in yards per attempt. I think like Tennessee's they're they're average on defense. Like they're an average overall defense with a really good run defense. And first of all, you don't have to be great with this offense. And you know, second of all, like they really punish the quarterback. And the past, like the worst pass defense in the nation or whatever it was, yeah, it was worst pass defense in FBS, I guess. That was such a dumb take, man. That was such a dumb take because that was dictated completely by the fact, one, of the scheme you played against Florida, and two, that you played Bryce Young. With an injured secondary, by the way. Yeah, you were playing a – yeah, yeah. Like – And as Parker points out, you get more opportunities because we go out there and score really fast, and the defense necessarily doesn't even have to get stops because they know, hey, if we give up a touchdown, it's all right. And yeah. the boys will go back and get a couple more. Yeah, it's like the the team is going to throw it a ton because they're losing. I mean, it's it was such a dumb. The discourse around the, the defense has been has been stupid. The idea that Kentucky was going to run the ball well on us was stupid. They so Chris Rodriguez had forty yards on five carries on the second drive of the game. He had twenty four yards on his ten other carries. Kentucky was. 2 of 13 on third down and like 0 of 10 on third and 7 plus. I mean, what'd you say about Will Levis? I saw that tweet by I saw that tweet by Power T. Tate, but it was like one throw past five yards or yeah, something. Yeah, one, one completion past six yards in the air. I mean, I'll say what stood out to me about Will Levis Saturday well, night. I assume it was one, I assume it was one completion because he threw that interception further than six yards down the down the air and he had the drop. So I'm, I'm assuming it was a you know one yeah. completion. Yeah, I'll say this is what stood out to me Will Lev- about Will Levis Saturday night was um, his lack of awareness. Like on the Dejon Terry sack, which by the way, we were getting pressure just with four guys. Like you said, we would. The the Dejon Terry sack, okay, you know, that did not come from his blind side. And I just, it blew my mind watching it in real time. I was like, even watching it, like, as it was happening, I was like, why is he not throwing the ball? Why is he not throwing? Like, he never realized Dejon Terry was just rumbling right at him. I mean, his, his lack of awareness was crazy to me. He just, he, it doesn't even seem like he has a feel for the game. And the way he was acting on that review of the interception where he's putting his helmet on and running back on the field, that shows a little lack of awareness as well. He's just a weird dude. Yeah, it just, he doesn't, it's like everything looks great until he actually has to go out there and play. He just didn't Well, I I think there's a reason he was a backup at Penn State, and I think he has studied what a football player is supposed to do, and he acts like that rather than being a natural quarterback. Everything about him feels forced, and like you said, just no, like, real awareness. Yeah, just, he just doesn't seem to have any feel for the game, like, watching him live. I mean, and like, like we said... He is going to turn the ball over. You know, every game I've ever watched him, he's had just back-breaking turnovers. And he did Saturday night, and really he's lucky that Tennessee only had three interceptions. Correct. It, it should have been five. You know, at least four. Um, I mean, yeah, there's not really much more to say. 
besides, I would like to say props to Alex Golish. I thought that Kentucky was just like, we're going to, Kentucky's defensive strategy was we're going to see if Tennessee's actually patient enough to sit there and just run the ball. And on the second drive, Tennessee ran it 13 out of 15 times, 13 out of 15 plays and scored a touchdown. I thought that was good. That was the moment that Kentucky probably realized they were fucked. Yeah, like Kentucky was just going to sit back. They were Kentucky was playing dime, like to start the game. They were in a dime package. And uh, it looked like a 3-2-6. And I was just like, just run the ball. They're just going to see if Tennessee has enough patience to just chip away down the field. And guess what? Alex Golish did. 13 out of 15 plays were run plays, and we scored a touchdown. The good news is you don't even have to be patient because we score really fast even when we have 15, uh, 15 play drives. Correct. It was like a five-yard – it was like a five-minute drive. And yeah. When I was watching the highlights, I was blown away on the the slaughter hit that Mitchell picked off. I was blown away by how long that took in game time, that drive did. They took That drive took forever in game time, and they got no points out of it. <laughs> And that was, you know, pretty much when they conceded at that point. When you go at 27-6 at halftime, everyone knew. It was yeah, I mean, over. they didn't even have 200 yards of offense if you take out the last drive. Yeah. I mean, they were in, they were in power off formation just running clock, trying to get out of the out of the game. Yeah, they, re- they really did not want Tennessee to get 50 points. We knew Kentucky sucked. We said it was going to be a three-score game. I think I predicted maybe uh, was it fifty two twenty four. I think maybe uh, I think that was a popular pick. Maybe I I don't know. I can't remember if I predicted that they lose by twenty four or score twenty four. Either way, was way off on that. Gave those boys too much credit, and I didn't give them much credit to start with. Did you? You went to the game, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Any thoughts on the atmosphere? It seems like Danny's really got that fixed. The team is also awesome, which helps. But it seems like everything inside the the stadium with presentation is is top notch now. He is he is an absolute and I mean this in the highest possible compliment. He is an absolute showman. Like I, I said to Luke, my best friend, on the way home yesterday, I said, you know, Tennessee, what they needed as an athletic director was like, you know, Tennessee wanted somebody that just wouldn't get in the way because Tennessee has so much things that sell itself. Just you walk in Neyland Stadium and it's packed. It's amazing. That's gonna get people to come here. They've won a ton of games. They've won a ton of national titles and SU championships. Tennessee not they, Tennessee got a guy that is like he's so much more than that. I mean, he's just he is he's extremely good at his job. He's an absolute great showman. I mean, the cutting out all the lights except for the lights on the band and forming a T with the lights was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful when I saw it live in person, when I saw the ESPN overhead shot after the game. I thought it was even better looking than it was. It was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the fireworks, the lights, like he just knows how to put on a show. I mean, he's just very good at what he does. We are elite at all sports. We're top five in football. We're about to be number one tomorrow. We're going to be number one. Correct. I think after a couple games in basketball, we'll be top five because I think they're going to take that ass whip that we put on Gonzaga into account and realize they underranked us. They have to take it into account. I mean, like they that it'll like I, I honestly even think like when it comes to selection Sunday, that will that will be in the back of people's minds. You cannot discount that Tennessee absolutely ran Gonzaga out of the gym without its 
best player, second best player. I mean, maybe most important player. I don't most, know most best player, and I would say absolutely the most important player. Yeah, yeah. Ran him out of the gym. Yeah, it's going to look really stupid when the rankings come out a couple of weeks into the season and like we're ranked six spots below Gonzaga. I, that that'd be a hard time because you know every media member was watching it. They were tweeting about it, talking about it. Well, it's especially stupid. When we're going to be ranked behind Arkansas after they got housed by Texas Saturday. Good point as well. I mean, yeah, I think it absolutely should play a factor into rankings, Selection Sunday. I mean, I don't think you can discount it. It was a real game, except people couldn't foul out. And we know baseball, top five. And then I think we are the premier show in football when it comes to presentation and just how cool we are. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, I will say nothing about a game at Neyland Stadium feels like it is amateur athletics. Like, I mean, it just feels so professional, the the presentation of it with Danny White was was really awesome. And now we got the game of the decade. Yeah, biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. These two teams have never played each other when they're both top five. Um, either, I believe. It's a little surprising. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that too. Um, they've never played each other when they're top five, I believe. Sanford's never had a one v three or a one v two matchup. Yeah, which, which poll? Which poll are we honoring? Because we're calling ourselves the number two team in the country from the AP, right? We tied. Well, I guess I should say so. The poll we to me have tied had that dumbass from Notre Dame not vote us fifth. If he had just put a, a reasonable number, even if he thinks we're fourth best, we'd have been the the clear cut number two team. Correct. I should stop saying three because I, I keep forgetting that the new polls came out yesterday. It's the only poll that like I pay attention to until tomorrow night is the AP. Right, right. But when the playoff poll comes out, we will... We will be number one. It seems that way, right? Judging from what they've... And I now, granted, I have not paid attention to the college football playoff poll really ever. Well, they talk about eye test, but also talk about resume. And I think we're the best when it comes to both. But there's, from everything... There's no way you could tell me that Georgia has looked better than us. There's no way you could tell me that Ohio State is more deserving than us. Correct. So, But from everything I've listened to and read, they take into account resume a lot, so everyone expects Tennessee to be ranked number one Tuesday night. I just know they always come back with a caveat of they're trying to pick pick the best teams. So, like, resume is not everything. They also say we, we use the eye test. Yeah. So they kind of, you know, contradict themselves a little bit. But I think Tennessee passes both tests better than the other two teams. So I fully anticipate us being number one. And they can't really sell us on Ohio State dominating Penn State, even though the final score says they did, because that game, you know, they were trailing with like eight. I, I watched. We watched like, the entire game. We watched the entire yeah. game. I don't know. I mean, Ohio State when they got down did just go right down the field and score in, in three and, plays and that game, and yeah. that was impressive. But like Penn State's offense had more success than Ohio State's offense did for like a for like a large. Now I know at the end of the game, the end of the game happened, but I remember checking the box score in like the third or fourth quarter, and like Penn State had more rushing yards. And more passing yards. Ohio State had like 38 rushing yards until Travion Henderson ripped off that touchdown on that three-play drive. Like, it was just the turnovers. It was just Sean Clifford couldn't stop turning the ball over. But I was... Like, C.J. Stroud made like one pass that really was just like, whoa, to me, I thought. But like... Which one was that? The game ender? There was the one he threw on a like 40-yard go route to put them up two scores that I thought he dropped, you know, a perfect pass. It was to the the second wide receiver. Yeah. A yeah. A, a boop with like 4 minutes left. Y- yeah, it was it was towards That's the end of the game. Of. Um 
I mean, like, other than that, I mean, he seemed at the end of the first half, like, how do you not see that blitz coming that he fumbled on? Like, I thought they kind of got screwed. I thought there should have been, like, a second left for them to kick a field goal. But Penn State just ran right into the locker room. And then, you know, they struggled again for another quarter and a half, but Ohio State did blow them out. But point being, I think we'll be number one. If you had to bet right now, do you go Georgia or Ohio State number two? I feel like they'll put Ohio State number two tomorrow night because they'll be like, well, it doesn't matter. Well, if, if Georgia wins, they'll be one. Yeah, it'll be one versus three coming into that game, I think, and I think we'll be number one. Yeah, correct. The Gramco is a presenting sponsor of Reed's Ranch. What is the Gramco? Well, it is your go-to destination for all your Delta 8 needs. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products and merchandise, including Wake and Bake Delta 8 coffee, Delta 8 disposable vapes, Delta 8 gummies, the fruit punch is my favorite, and Delta 8 quick mix, pre-rolls, and my favorite, hard candies, some big orange hard candies. Go to the gramco.com browser selection. Use the promo code BALLS25 for 25% off your order. And then you get free standard shipping for orders over $50. And that shipping is quick and discreet. Must be 21 or older. Gramco offers you an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Thegramco.com. Thegramco.com. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Got some new patrons to shout out, starting with uh, new $5 patron Sam Rose. Shout out to Brother Sam. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron Brett Jackson. Shout out to Brother Brett. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 pe- patron, patron. New $5 patron Josh Bennett. Shout out to Brother Josh. We love you and appreciate you. And Brother Bob, who has vaulted up, up to his pledge from $25 to $30. Shout out to Brother Bob. You know how much we love you. I love you as if you were. You are my brother. Thank you very much. Let's get to some questions. Brother Tennessee, a.k.a. Cargo Shorts Lover, asks, question for both. Does a win in this game lock up both the Heisman and a playoff berth? A win in this game... And we, you know, we're obviously assuming that you would then run the rest of the table and get to twelve and zero. That would lock up a playoff berth. And assuming that we win the next three, I would think it would go a long, long way to locking up the Heisman for Hendon. I can't say that for certain because there could be a scenario where he plays terribly in the SEC championship and Stroud's riding a two-week wave of dominating Michigan and then dominating, I don't know if it'd be Illinois or whoever the hell's going to win that other division. There's there's a path that that could happen. So I won't say it locks up the Heisman, but if Hendon wins this game and Hendon balls out on Saturday night, I would think he'd come out of the weekend like minus 300 as a favorite or minus 400 as a betting favorite. Yeah. If he plays well Saturday and Tennessee wins or loses close, the only thing that gives me pause from him locking it up is like the media, which has a Midwestern slant to it a lot of times, um, just losing their minds over what Stroud does against Michigan if they were to win that game. Yeah. But Because this is, this is Hendon's last moment. 
This is his last Hosman opportunity, assuming, you know, unless we win. Then he gets the SEC championship. Yep. yep. So this could be his last Hosman opportunity. If we lose, that's, you know, most likely going to mean that he didn't play awesome. Because I, I think if we play awesome on offense, we're winning. Right? Is that fair? Yes, I agree with that. I don't think Georgia can keep up with us. So if Hidden Hooker has a good game, Tennessee is going to win. Because I think having like one, like, I think that having like one superpower part of your team is like better than the overall team that you're, you know, the overall team being better than, like, I think Tennessee's, Tennessee's offense is on. It's like the best offense in the country. It is an absolute superpower. Georgia's defense isn't an absolute superpower like it was last year. Overall, you know, they're a more complete team or whatever. But I think Tennessee's having the superpower on their side is better than having the more complete team. So I agree with that. If that what I said, what I just said might not make sense, but it makes sense to me. And uh, if you join the Patreon, I will elucidate that more clearly for you. Patreon.com slash Reads Rant. If you want to celebrate this undefeated season with us. I mean, when I look at Georgia over the last couple of years and their defense, I feel like they've kind of they've kind of gotten uh, I don't want to say bullied or exposed, but I'm thinking bully and exposed when they've played good offenses, especially good receivers. Like I know they weren't the same defense in 2019, but they were still really damn good. And LSU's guys ran wide open against them in the SEC championship all day. Yeah, and now two in Georgia's defense. I also just don't know what you can do to stop. Oh, so so Kirby's well, that, that, so Kirby. That, that's a point yeah. about point though. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So let, Kirby's. Before you, get to, hold on, before you get yours, let me go ahead and just say I thought against Alabama in the SEC championship, those boys ran, ran wide open for four quarters and got bullied. And then I thought the national championship, the wide receivers were still open. They just weren't as good and couldn't catch the ball because all of Alabama's good receivers were hurt. Yes. Now go ahead. Like I mean, I think it says something that Kirby's answer to that LSU 2019 game was, we have to open it up on offense. Like, his answer wasn't, like, he decided after that game, they went and hired Munkin. Like, they've opened it up on offense. You know, they, they've changed their offense. Like, because I just don't really know what you can do. Like, I mean, but I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. And nobody talks about that. But, like, Georgia's defense last year was amazing. Okay, it was. But they don't get tested all that often. And when they do get tested, I think they failed. Like, Stetson Bennett won the national championship game. Correct, correct. It wasn't Georgia's defense. Al- Georgia's defense did a good job of keeping Alabama from scoring in goal-to-go situations in the, in the national championship. Alabama should have scored more points and put that game out of reach before Stetson got going. But I thought Alabama – had their way a little bit with that defense. And then I thought Stetson stepped up and played really well in the second half, and they won. And Alabama's receivers kept dropping big passes. The national championship game was obviously without Jameson Williams, but was Mechie even playing that game? Mechie got hurt like on the first drive, didn't that's he? That's right. That's right. Mechie was out. I thought Mechie was out too. So they had like Ja'Cory Brooks and whoever, like no names. Right. Those guys ain't Jalen Hyatt and Big Sed Tillman. Yeah. They're not even, they're not even Mechie. You know, I mean, Brew McCoy. I mean, those those backups aren't as good as Brew McCoy and Squirrel White and Keaton. So I agree with you completely. Um, I think that Hooker is very, very close to locking it up. Cargo shorts lover. The only, the only, 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 only thing that gives me pause 
is that Ohio State versus Michigan game and the fact that a lot of sports riders went to Northwestern. Brother Dylan Furr asks, how cool is this? It's awesome. We keep saying it. It's what we've been waiting for. And there is a greater than 5% chance we win a national championship in football, basketball, and baseball in the same year. There is a really, really good chance, Seth, that we complete the trifecta for 2022. We've already won basketball. We've already won baseball. We might win the SEC championship in football, all three in the same year. And then we might turn around and make it natties in the next year in 2023. That's it's not you know likely to happen, but it's, it's probably a greater than 5% chance at this point. Unless we forget, uh, Queen Kelly has the Lady Vols preseason top five as well. Amen. Ranked ahead of UConn in the preseason. We're not going to talk about UConn's injuries, but they're ranked ahead of UConn. But she simply she simply did not win the SEC championship last year, so she doesn't get to be a part of this conversation. Right That's now. true. That's true. Brother West Tennessee Ben asked, does having both Hooker and Hyatt on the same team diminish each other's chances of winning the Heisman? I was thinking about that when it came to taking votes away. I think Hyatt would have to go stupid crazy to steal yeah. it from him. Yeah, like, like continue this pace every single game. <laughs> like he'll have to end up with like two thousand yards and like twenty five touchdowns. Yeah, my question about this is like, how many people right now? I I don't doubt that Hyatt. It would be if you gave people a ballot today that a non negligible number would put Hyatt like in their top five. But I don't think many people are putting them one or two. I don't think he would make it to New York at this point in time, but I definitely think he can play his way there over the next month. Correct. It's very possible that he could steal some votes. I mean, it's very possible. Um, I don't think it diminishes it, though, because I think quarterback and, you know, what Hendon Hooker's, I think you would take into account the narrative and the narrative of Hendon Hooker last year and that offense still being good. And, like, we'll cite all the stats from, like, when Hendon became a starter and the way he's taking care of the ball mm-hmm. and how he's transformed this offense. And I think he'll always get more credit than Hyatt. Just because Hyatt was a non-factor last year and, you know, really busts on the scene, you know, game four, game five. Brother Jackie, a.k.a. the Law Dog. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He says, assuming that we are going to be victorious Saturday, and we are, who are we talking about Saturday night as being the key other than Hendon and Hyatt? I mean, I mean, it's it's got to be Princeton Fant, our Swiss Army knife. I, I'll be talking about it as I have. It was about this time last year when I started bringing up the idea that that um, Darnell Darnell Wright was pretty good. That's who I will be talking about Saturday night on offense if we win, when we win. I will be talking about him and his amazing year that he's having. Still not getting the love he deserves, but somebody has to give it to him. I'll be talking about him on offense, and I'll be talking about Big O on defense. I still think Big Sed, Tillman, and Jalen Wright's going to have something to say on Saturday as well. Which, by the way, I, uh, I'm getting a lot of texts to point this out, but many people are pointing out how uh, much better the defense has looked once Warren Burrell went out. Well, they can say what they will. They can say what they will. I- I'm not really excited about how bad we're going to look if uh, something happens to slaughter and turnage. Because who knows when Kamal Haddon's going to play again. He looks perfectly healthy in a helmet and pads on the sidelines. Going crazy with the rest of the team, but he just doesn't play. What, where was Deshaun Rucker Saturday night? He was announced as a starter. 
What happened to him? Do we know? Like I'm asking you. Start throwing other guys under the bus. I was just reading. I was reading texts about you know people said the defense looks a lot better with Burrell on an island. On no, but I'm, I'm I'm being serious. Like where was Rucker? Did oh, they I say? I don't. I don't know. I haven't did, seen. Where Where was Gerald Mincy? He was on the sideline because he got headbutted. He had yeah he, he yeah bottle. yeah he was in full pads and a helmet. He was on the bike the whole game. Which, if he was dealing with like a concussion, probably not good to headbutt him in the head. I don't know what his injury was. It seemed like a concussion. Yeah, I don't know the if they LSU said anything. Game. I didn't know if they said anything about him. Like I was, I was, I was confused because Rucker was announced as a starter. Crawford was announced as a starter, so that wasn't as big a surprise because Rucker was announced as a starter and then just never played. And I know Christian Charles was like questionable, but like I'm just like Kamal Haddon looks perfectly healthy on the sideline. But, um, yeah, I'll go with Darnell Wright and Big O. I think if we if we are able to uh, celebrate, which we're going to be able to celebrate, there's going to have to be somebody in the secondary that has made a big play or one of our linebackers has done a good job against their tight ends. I don't know who it is. But I would say some in our secondary has made a big play. I will say this. I thought Trayvon Flowers played really well Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. I thought um, one of his best games in a Tennessee uniform, I thought. thought I thought uh, he is, even this late in his career, he is getting better. Um, so, yeah, props to Trayvon. I thought he played really well. Brother AP asked, who has their breakout game this week and will be solidified as a legend after we win? You know, I said, I think, Said and Jalen Wright, one of those is going to have a huge game. Or whoever makes two interceptions, like I said, somebody in the secondary is going to make a play. Jalen Wright seems like a really good answer here. If you've watched UT games like we do, uh, it's been clear that the last two week, the, the last two SEC games, he's been the best back. He averaged six yards a carry against Alabama. He averaged, like, he's something even better Saturday against Kentucky. Um, he was on Bruce Feldman's annual freaks list in the preseason. And he looks like a freak. He's moving the piles. He's jumping over people. And he has gotten so – we talk about how much better Prince and Fant and all these dudes have gotten, and they have. But, like, Jalen Wright is a totally different player than he was at the beginning of the season. Like, his vision – it's a million times better. He's making just absurdly athletic plays. He's running through people, like you said. He's moving the pile. So Jalen Wright seems like a good candidate for a breakout game. Um, yeah. Man, I'm so excited for Saturday. It's going to be fun. Oh, I'm so excited. Brother Mason asked, how ridiculous is the number of ranked teams the Vols are having to beat to get the number one spot? We're running the gauntlet, Brother Seth. We're having to run the gauntlet. We are already at, what, five ranked wins. we got to get another one this weekend. That will that will probably be it for the rest of the regular season, but then we're going to have to beat an SEC champion or an SEC uh, West champion and then two teams in the playoff. That's going to be a total of eight teams we're going to have to run through. You know what the craziest no, part is? No, no, it's nine. That's nine teams. Nine teams you're going to have to beat. The craziest part is is that – Including probably – hold on, sorry to keep cutting you off – Probably of those nine ranked teams, five of them are going to be in the top five. Yeah. So that was the point I was going to make, too, is that Tennessee and Auburn are the only two teams in the nation that would have to win a national title. 
they would have to play Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State five total times. Because that is what Tennessee will have to do, unless Ohio State and Georgia or Ohio State and Alabama get matched up in the first round of the, like, that's a lot of times you got to play them. But the craziest thing to me is that this is a gauntlet. Like you said, it is absolutely a ridiculous gauntlet, and the schedule has still been easier this year than it has a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember talking about that after the Pittsburgh weekend where we looked around and it's like, eh, Florida's not very good, and LSU's not very good, and we know Kentucky's kind of shit, and now we're just kind of looking around and we know that it's easy to handle. Yeah, I mean, the schedule has been a gauntlet, but it's not been anything like what it has been in years past. And I mean, and ranked wins ain't that big of a deal when it comes to like Pittsburgh and Florida because I didn't think those teams were very good. Same for like LSU. Like they, they, they just didn't really match up with this. But the top five teams, that's a gauntlet. Beating Alabama and Georgia, you know, when we do beat Georgia this weekend, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I mean the the ranked the ranked victory thing is only a stat to bring out to just talk about how great Tennessee is. Like just enhance it to just enhance Tennessee's overall season. I mean, like beating Pitt, not that great. I mean, you know, whatever. Like I'm glad we won. It beats losing, but it's not really a you know something you put on your mantle to display. But beating George on the road is. Beating George on the road, yeah, is you you can't. It's it's unimpeachable. Brother Tech Vol asks, "What are we praising more on Sunday morning other than Jesus Christ, the offense or the defense? Alternatively, what Georgia player are you most worried about?" I am going to uh, say that we're going to be praising the offense, correct? Because our offense is going to roll in there and score at least 38 points. Yeah, I think that it will be the same as it always has been this season. It will be about Hendon Hooker. We'll say, hey, great job defense. You did enough. But I think it's it, this team starts and ends with its offense. It will go as far as Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Sed Tillman and Princeton Fant Carius. Yep, we'll be like, I'll be talking about how much I love the fact that Tim Banks blitzes every play or whatever, but yeah, it'll be about the offense. And Georgia player, um, Bowers, I guess. I mean, uh, I'm probably a little bit more afraid of Darnell Washington. Really? Just because, well, just because he almost came here. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what his stats are. I know Bowers only has like two touchdowns on the year, so it's not like he's been as awesome as everyone at. Yeah, he has like, he has more, does he have more rushing touchdowns then? I think he has he has several rushing touchdowns because they've been like using him as a running back because nobody can catch him. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess it was just the the ties of Darnell Washington that make me a little. Nervous. I mean, like Bowers is ridiculous. No, he's a beast. He's a beast. Um, I don't really like Darnell Washington. I don't really know what he's done this year. Um, let's... He's got 19 catches for 332 yards. He's got zero touchdowns. That's probably a bad take. It was just about the being afraid. Because that's a name I remember wanting and thinking Pruitt was going to get. Yeah. Um, Would be a little frustrating. Bowers is their biggest weapon, obviously. Yeah, so is is, is A.D. Mitchell going to be playing for them? Because he hasn't played since, like, the second game, and that's the guy that can, like, stretch it out for them. Stetson running around making dumbass plays worries me a little, too. Yeah. Just because I don't think he's very good, but. It'd be extra frustrating if he was the one running around and 
looking like Baker Mayfield. Brother BJ asks, Hooker and Hyatt excluded, who are your offensive and defensive MVPs to this point in the season? I'll go Darnell Wright. I'll go Darnell Wright. I'll go Darnell Wright. Um, he's been awesome. I mean, he's been a beast. And I think that Javante Spragans has been really, really good too. Um, I certainly know nobody gets more joy out of playing the game of football than Javante Spragans. Uh, defensively, I mean, I... I mean, Beasley has to be on defense, or, or, or I guess, or, I mean, like you said, Big O. Big O's totally transformed the defensive line to me. Um, we knew we had some good guys at the end position, but, like, uh, Omari Thomas was a really highly rated defensive tackle that has been worthy of that really high rating. I think, uh, but actually, I'll just give the defensive MVP to uh, Big Rodney Garner with what he's done with the defensive line. Yeah, that's probably fair. I'd like to give my offensive MVP to Josh Heupel, co-MVP with him and Alex Golish. That's that. That sounds fair. Brother Brizzy asked for Seth. Last pod, you said Hendon is everything you want in a quarterback. Can you expand on that? Um, he seems like a dumb question, Brizzy. What do you mean? Can he expand on it? Have you watched Hendon Hooker play? Have you watched him lead this team? Did you know he wrote a a Christian book for kids? Well, what more do you need to know? He hugs, he cries when he hugs his mother. He is an All American in every sense of the word. Yep, I mean he is a pass first quarterback. He, he's a, he's a pass first quarterback that can run and he can run well. He's an extremely good person. His overall demeanor just screams, "I'm in control and I'm the leader of this team." It just exudes off of him. I, um, I loved Bill Connolly's reasoning for Kentucky being able to hang in with us is that, hey, Kentucky's good at stopping quarterbacks from scrambling. So they'll be able to slow down Hendon Hooker because he's a good scrambler. And I'm just like, okay, going to take a little bit more than that, stat nerd. So here's the thing that gets me about stat nerds, and it's about Bill Connolly in general. Now, I like Bill Connolly. I do too. I do too, but that take overall, made me mad. And I read his column weekly. However, when you are a stat guy, and this goes for anything in life. Take notes, Will Warren. Can you not, if you're Bill Connolly and you're, your model, your model gives you that like this game is really, really close and Kentucky has a really good chance to win. Can you not just say, hey, look, just like in everything life, in, just like in everything in life, there are some anomalies. And this is an anomaly. Because that's all that model was. And if you are like the biggest Chad meme in the world, and all you do is just watch football, and the only thing you care about is the eye test, guess what? The eye test was a one million times more correct than the stat nerd. Because we all have eyes, and we all know what we see. And we all knew that Tennessee was a lot better than Kentucky. I like Bill Connolly. He seems like a cool dude. But just admit that there are some anomalies to the model and that it's not infallible. When you act like it's infallible, then you annoy me. Well, especially when it's been so wrong on Tennessee. Like, Vegas has been wrong on Tennessee. We're 7-1 and one and our average covers by over 10 points. We've been kicking Vegas' ass. And, like, you know, those metrics had us scoring, like, 40 points against Ball State at the beginning of the year. Struggling with them. And then, like, it just had it has our offense pegged for about 15 fewer points than we actually score. Yeah, like Bill Connolly said, 
like Kentucky's defense is like he said like didn't he say like Kentucky's defense is like uniquely created it's like created uniquely to stop Tennessee or something to that effect and it's like based on what Tennessee torched them last year because they think that we they could stop us scrambling that was his whole basis is like they don't give up scrambles and Hendon Hooker steals a first down every quarter by with having a good scramble he tried to make it that simple like they're good at jumping into passing lanes and their zone defense is perfect to stop Tennessee that, that, whoops How many times has Hendon scored on a scramble this year? Now, he scored running the ball, but it's been designed runs, just like it was Saturday night. It was an option. How many times has he scrambled into the end zone? We've won. I can think of one draw we have run in the last month. We tried it once against Alabama, and it didn't work, and we shelved it. He ain't even running that much. Like, I just don't – I didn't understand this idea that Kentucky's – you know, four touchdowns in the over in the air they've given up all year. They they haven't given up more than twenty four points in like eleven games or whatever. Well, they hadn't played Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, that was the dumbest thing was Cole Kublick talking about that. Like, go through and look at who they played, bro. Ole Miss doesn't even try to throw the ball. And also, like, look one game before that streak started when Tennessee scored forty five points in fourteen minutes against them. It was just remarkable to me that all the the discourse around this game result talked about Kentucky's defense and just magically did not talk about the Tennessee Kentucky game last year when Tennessee's a lot better than they were last year and last year they torched them. So take notes, Bill Connolly. Just admit that it's an anomaly. Just admit that things happen in a model that are weird and that's all it is. It is what it is. Anomalies happen in everything in life. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to double down, but you double down. And you you angered me. With that being said, Bill Connolly did have us as a top 10 team in the preseason, and he is being rewarded for believing in us. But then he went and picked Kentucky. You should have just doubled down on that take, Bill, that you were riding with Tennessee. Ride the damn dragon, Bill. That's the thing is you're talking about eye test. And – I feel the same way about this weekend. I would love for someone to tell me why Georgia is going to beat Tennessee, really, period. But I would love an explanation as to why they're going to beat Tennessee by double digits, and you can't reference last year or recruiting rankings. There's nothing on the field. There's nothing logically that makes you think that Georgia is going to handle Tennessee. I don't think there's really anything out there that makes you think Georgia is going to beat Tennessee, but much less easily, much less by two scores. Yeah, like David Ubbin said today on his podcast, uh, he said, every coach I talk to tells me that Tennessee is going to win or it's going to be extremely close. How much damn content are you consuming when Tennessee's good? That's the second time you've referenced David Ubbin's podcast. A ton. When you, I mean, I, I listen to him while I'm working. So you just want to mow through and get all the good Tennessee content you can get. I get it. I was just asking how many. They're all on YouTube, which I like. But, you know... The podcast today was specifically about the Tennessee-Georgia game. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, the eye test, like, it was kind of the same thing we talked about with Tennessee and Alabama. Like, Tennessee had played better than Alabama this year. That's what we said. Tennessee had to get over the hump or whatever, but, like, Tennessee has been be- had been better than Alabama to that point. I feel the same about, the Tennessee, about Tennessee and Georgia. I mean, sure, Georgia has the best non-conference win of the season. Okay. And... 
and I, I've been telling, you know, for three years now that there's the first game of a new regime. You always got to give them a first game. I don't know if Georgia would dominate Oregon like that again, but that was very unique. It was the guy's first game ever as a head coach, and he was running a defense that he ran at Georgia. It was the same exact thing they've been doing. Yeah. Them beating yeah. Oregon down like that is impressive, but it's it's not like it doesn't make your whole season. Correct. And from what I remember, like, Oregon would get it into the red zone. I don't remember really anything from that game, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, I agree. Like, you don't reference last year and you don't reference overall recruiting rankings. You t- we're talking about what will happen Saturday afternoon between the hedges. Tell me why Georgia is better than Tennessee. Because I see what my eyes tell me. I'm riding the dragon. Bill should ride the dragon. Tennessee will win on Saturday afternoon. I'm happy that more people are riding the dragon just because I'm seeing less and less of the battered ball tweets where they're worried. I did see a little, I I did see too many of those actually last week where they're talking about, well, I'm nervous about Kentucky. Ask yourself that. Look yourself in the mirror and ask, why were you worried about the Kentucky game? And I'll give you the answer because you're a pussy. That's why you'd be worried about Kentucky, because you're a pussy. Because they are not as good as us. No one is as good as us. Georgia, they're at home, so it's going to be a little bit tougher. But Georgia isn't as good as Tennessee this year. Uh, I'm mystified by people that were nervous going in the Kentucky game. Same. Same. There are people worried about a letdown against Tennessee Martin. Like, it's just, it just, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Brother Colin asks, assuming everyone is healthy, what's our best lineup in the secondary after seeing how Slaughter has played recently? Well, I mean, I think he goes Slaughter, Haddon, Flowers, and Tank. It was interesting that Wesley Walker was getting so much run at the safety position and not the nickel Saturday night, I thought. Actually, I, li- I like Wesley Walker. I like him when he's out there. Um, I especially like him coming off the edge. Blitzing. I think he can make some plays, but... And then uh, McDonald, I guess, at nickel, whatever. I just think after Saturday night, like, Slaughter plays with more confidence than any corner we've seen in I don't know how many years since Cam Sutton. Like, Slaughter has to be out there until he proves otherwise. I like your list. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, that's just, I just, watching Danico Slaughter Saturday night, he played with a swagger that a cornerback at Tennessee has not had in a long time. And I think I, th- I don't think that, like, Haddon plays with low confidence or anything like that. I mean, I think Haddon's generally pretty trustworthy. But I just, they just, Slaughter just, I mean, he was really good. <laughs> they threw at him three times, and there wasn't a single catch. And two of those uh, catches, or two of those plays resulted in interceptions. That's, that's pretty good pretty good rate. I mean, the hit he had to, to cause that interception was about as good of a defensive play as, as we've had in Neyland Stadium in a long, long time. Correct. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was it was amazing. The To seem like you were shot out of a cannon on that sort of a pass is really, really impressive. He got like one and a half strides and acted like he was running for 10 yards and just lit that dude up. Um, I just, I mean, I just think he adds an edge that Tennessee secondary hasn't 
played with in terms of physicality and, you know, swagger, uh, you know, just mindset. Like, he was up there at the line of scrimmage playing press coverage, his first game ever playing cornerback. I mean... That gets me excited. This team this team has got dogs on it, man. This team believes. They do. This team, you could tell, knows they're in the middle of something special. They know that they're... It has to be a really, really cool feeling to know you're becoming legendary in the moment. You know what I mean? To know that they're going to be able to, like, all of them are going to be stamped in the state of Tennessee for the rest of their lives. And, like, we're going to talk about this 2022 season. And, like, you, you, you can tell the confidence is getting there. It is, it is there, but you could tell it's growing. And, you know, just like you said, bring a guy in who's never played cornerback and to have him out there <coughs> as if he is the best defensive back in the SEC. Never played cornerback because he didn't want to. He doesn't like it. Well, buddy, I got some bad news for you, Danico. You're not playing safety again for a while. You can still hit people at cornerback as you showed Saturday night. Good news is... You know, a cornerback slash safety hybrid is exactly what you want guarding these mutant-ass tight ends we're about to play, Danico. So go out there and shut one down. Earn yourself some earn – your, earn yourself millions of dollars. Let's go. And to credit the defense, like the defense has been maligned unfairly, I will add. But this entire season, they have – like people have told them how bad they are, blah, blah, blah. People have told, they have never once been soft. They are a smash-mouth defense. You might throw for some yards against them, but when you get in the red zone, they're going to make you earn it. And if you're the quarterback, you are going to get battered. It doesn't matter if you're too quick for them to sack you. I mean, like Slaughter Slaughter just, I mean, he he crushed Bryce Young. I mean, Jeremy Banks laid Bryce Young. I like... This defense plays hard, man. They they really get after it. They swarm to the ball. Like, yeah, they give up some yards in the air, but who cares? I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of talking about this pass defense. They're better than anybody says. Ride the dragon. Tennessee will be winning Saturday afternoon. It's the only – the biggest regret I have is that Georgia won the national championship last year because it would feel so, so good to roll in there and beat their ass and close their window and pass them if they still had their streak going. I do hate that Alabama's receivers all got hurt. Or else it would feel so, so much better leaving that stadium. But winning a national championship the year after them and passing them is going to feel pretty good too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be amazing. Ride the dragon. There is this, like, I, I, I cannot believe at this point that we're even still talking about it, but there is, how could you not be all in? How could you not be all in? Tennessee's never really even struggled in Athens, man. Like Tennessee's had bad teams and gone down there and played with them. The first year, Jeremy Pruitt was coach. Like, ride the dragon. Any other questions? No, no, there's not. There's not. Just ride the dragon. Tennessee will win Saturday afternoon because they're better than Georgia. I think we are too. Like I said, I, I don't know what they do, what they've shown this year that makes you think they're better than us. Like I said, I think that that having the one, just like, okay, think about it this way. Tennessee's offense is a nuclear weapon. It is a nuclear weapon. It is a nuke. 
Now, the other aspects of the team, Georgia's more well-rounded, but they don't have a nuke. Tennessee has the nuke. Athens, Georgia will be Nagasaki on Saturday afternoon, and we will be the nuke. I got nothing else to add. I love you. I love you. I love you, my brother, and I love the Vols, and I love Hendon Hooker. We deserve this. It's been a long time coming, and we are about to go in there. And I don't even know if this will be the game of the decade because I think we're going to win, and 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 do and, and not make it. I don't want to say we're going to blow them out. I don't. I don't think that. But I don't think they're going to have an answer for us. I truly don't think that. I think it's laughable that like the our, our team total gambling wise is twenty six and a half. I find that laughable. So they, they still haven't learned. They still have not learned. They think they're going to stop us from scoring. 27 points. I find that laughable. They, they have not learned. The bomb is going to go off at about 345 on Saturday afternoon. I can't wait to talk to you next week and celebrate this big win. I love you. Have a good day. I love you. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Yeah. Thank you.